Good morning. It's April 3rd, and welcome to Doing Life, Daily Devotions for Finding Peace in Stressful Times. This is the audible companion to the book by the same name. This morning's topic is, I need that. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. 1 John 2, 16. We all get confused sometimes about what we need versus what we want. We live in Dallas, Texas. The DFW Metroplex is 9,286 square miles. We have an above-ground light rail system with only 93 miles of track on four lines. People from New York often ask me, why we drive everywhere? Why do you even think you need a car? Well, Manhattan is 22.8 square miles with 850 miles of track to it and the surrounding boroughs. The comparison usually helps them understand. In short, we need a car. Now, do we need a brand new $70,000 GMC Yukon and an $80,000 Lexus RX350? Or do we just, well, want them? I think you know the answer. If we really do think we need them, then there's a problem. Feeling like we really needed them would mean we worship their power or their prestige or their sex appeal or their dominance on the road. One of the few benefits of a pandemic like we experienced in 2020 with the coronavirus is that we start to recognize that some of the things we felt we really needed, we don't actually need at all. Funny how the fear of becoming sick or falling into the poverty level teaches us what we actually need to live. We had a pastor who was a good basketball player in college. He told us once that he was cleaning out his closet under a marital edict when he came across his old college basketball sweatshirts. He really had trouble parting with them, even though he hadn't worn them in years. Why? They represented a day gone by when he could run and shoot and bring the roaring crowd to their feet. They represented a time when he was a hero. They felt like they represented who he really was, is, I mean was. He felt like he just well needed those sweatshirts. Understandable, right? But as he pointed out, building your identity on anything but God is a big mistake. And it even has a name, idolatry. Isaiah forty-four sixteen through 17 describes the carving out of an idol out of the wood not burned in a cooking fire. He eats the meat, warms himself at the fire, and then proceeds to carve a god that he subsequently worships. We want to cling to idols because we let ourselves believe they can help us. In the Old Testament, deliver me or save me usually means from a predicament, not from damnation. When the people fell on hard times, they clung to idols out of desperation because they had forgotten their own creator. Today, Christians still turn to idols, and even those who truly accepted the gift and were rewarded with the indwelling spirit. Just having the spirit within doesn't mean we don't still sin and go our own way from time to time. There are plenty of idols to choose from nowadays. Drugs, food, porn, shopping, religious works, exercise, occupation, the money it generates, approval, and all kinds of media idols. We turn to idols in order to cope with everyday life that we can't seem to handle. It's our old false friend Satan who deftly augments our fear of failure. He loves to feel your insecurity. His goal, as always, is to draw you away from the one true God. He does that by enticing you with worldly things that he makes you think you need in order to feel good, and in particular, feel good about yourself. You feel like a failure at work? 
Maybe get yourself hooked on gambling so intermittently you feel like a winner. You feel like a failure with the opposite sex? Porn can provide the most awesome partner that you can satisfy every time in your own mind. Grew up poor and never want to feel that way again? Then you would feel good if only you could make more and more money, even at the expense of losing your family. Are you a little guy? Always bugged you to get picked last in fourth grade? Then buy yourself a Ford F-350 Dually. Get the picture? Our idols comfort us and make us feel better for a little bit. And when it starts to fade, Satan just suggests that you do it some more, buy some more. But it never works. It never brings long-lasting peace and happiness. In fact, it brings just the opposite. Idols are inanimate. They are powerless. But you can't see it. And as you become more and more insatiable and more and more unsatisfied, you're an easy mark for Satan indeed. The Bible warns us of the futility of idols over and over again. What's more, the first of the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down from Sinai and the first of the greatest commandments, according to Jesus, carry the same meaning. You shall love the Lord your God with all your soul and with all your heart and with all your mind. Matthew 22:36. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. Deuteronomy 5, 7. The prophets warn us of the foolishness of idol worship. All who form idols are nothing. The things in which they delight are worthless. Who forms a god and casts an idol that will prove worthless? Actually, the next 14 years go on to make clear how utterly foolish idol worship really is. Isaiah 44, 9 through 23. Samuel tells us, You should not turn aside after empty things that can't profit and can't deliver since they are empty. 1 Samuel 12, 21. So you may want something you really don't need. It might be an indulgence. You can treat yourself now and then, but be careful not to confuse your wants with your needs. When you start convincing yourself that you really need anything to make you feel better or whole or complete, and it isn't Christ, you'll find yourself in a very unhappy place before long. Lord, let your love and providence be more than enough for us. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see that the things we fall into fervently desiring are things that pull our eyes off of you, and there lies only darkness. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow.